to What Is My Podcast About? A podcast where we, on a bi-weekly basis, try to figure out what topic that we want to continue talking about on a bi-weekly basis. I'm one we of We do your... this bi-weekly. Yeah, try to. I always get that mixed up. It's just so linguistically... Uh, sorry to cut you off in the middle of the wait. I hate how it's both twice a week and wait. every other week. Yeah, I messed that up, didn't I? What I don't honestly I don't know I don't know if biweekly no, works it's, for uh, every two weeks or well, twice a no week. bi biweekly I think is twice. Well, no, I know for a fact bi monthly is both. I don't know if bi weekly is both or every or one of the two. Fuck, this is not what our podcast is about. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> last minute change on the theme. <laughs> anyway, once aired every two weeks. There we go. I'm <laughs> one of your hosts, Matthew Grace, and I'm joined. By Peter <laughs> Hi. and Keith. Hello. So anyway, before we get down to the nitty gritty. Okay, let's talk more about this, how it's said. You're a smart person, Peter. I may be smart. I'm not good with the words. <laughs> I have no idea which one bi-weekly is. I know I'm... for a fact bi-monthly is both. I don't know for sure about bi-weekly. Yeah, I, I don't know anymore. Well, it's a good thing we have a email people to send us their opinion. Yes. Yeah, if you think you know what bi-weekly means... Feel free to tell us that it's neither twice a week or every other week. It's some archaic word where it means specifically on Thursdays. Yeah. And we'll announce the winner in two weeks. Yeah, in two yeah. weeks' time, uh, perhaps in fortnightly. It's fortnightly is every other week. <laughs> I'm actually going to go change the podcast subscription uh, description to say fortnightly. Yeah. Oh, please uh, don't. Get those fortnight. I'm going to spell every, like the fortnight. We release episodes fortnightly. Yep. Right. <laughs> anyway. Speaking about emails, do we have any questions or comments? Let me double check our email. Uh, it looks like Apple has some news for us, but beyond that, no. We don't have any comments. Our perfect streak continues. Well, that's good to hear, in a, in a sense. I'm sure we'll get a few once uh, our friend finally catches up. That's true. I'm assuming Coy will send us an email any day now when he gets to the uh, Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> So, there is one thing I do want to talk about before we get into the episode, and that is uh, the Video Game Awards are coming up December 12th. Yes. So that's soon. Yep. And uh, for the nominations game of the year, I want to get your opinion on it. We have Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Sekiro, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and The Outer Worlds. Not to be too confused with The Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds, very different, much worse game. Yeah. Just, uh, j- just games about exploring space in an RPG-like setting that... I, take I, back, I, see, I see the difficulty now. <laughs> I, I take back what I said earlier. Not very different, but much worse. Uh, yeah, those are all very good games. I, I feel bad for saying this, but I feel like it's very early in Death Stranding's life to be determining whether it's game of the year. I feel like those other ones all have had enough time in the limelight for us all to kind of collectively decide whether it was a great game. Whereas Death Stranding was just released at an awkward time where I haven't had enough time to decide whether or not I think it's good enough for game of the year yeah, yeah it came and out just before the uh cutoff for what was applicable that's why for example uh pokemon sword and shield i believe are not in any of the runnings because it came out after the deadline whereas death stranding just kind of slid right in there yeah. Yeah. And, well sure it would be great for kojima if he got the game of the year but we still can't really decide whether or not yeah. it actually deserves it i think sakura is fantastic i think that was yeah that would crazy have, popular when it first came out that would have my vote just based on what I've seen of it, I have yet to actually play it myself. Well, I'd say, like, overall, probably the best game on this list, if you take everything into account, I'd probably want to give it to Resident Evil 2. But 
that's the thing. Resident Evil 2 is a remake, even yeah. though it did amazing and it built upon the original in such a way. The big argument between a lot of people is, does it deserve winning Game of the Year as a remake, remake of a game from uh, the mid-90s? Yeah. I also think Oda Worlds <laughs> deserves a huge amount of uh, praise. I mean... It's by this developer who's made some games before, but this is their kind of foray into making their own game entirely on their own. And I think it did insanely well as well. Uh, so I think Oda World's definitely up there. I, I probably wouldn't put uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on that list. I think it's a great game. I don't think it developed the world enough for it to be uh, considered game of the year. Just give it a couple of years when it's got like every video game character in it. Then it gets game of the year regardless. Oh, it's... Uh, I... Notice something not on your list, which is throwing me off a little bit. Why is Skyrim not up for Game of the Year? I feel like they've released a new version this year. <laughs> it's actually the uh, uh, Apple, uh, ho- uh, whatever. What's the Apple one? Uh, Apple. No, it's no, no. It'd be Alexa, <laughs> the Alexa Skyrim edition. That's Alexa the one that's Skyrim up edition for Game of the Year this year. Nice. Uh, the one because uh, you can vote for all of these online. They have the judges and uh, viewer voting. I actually gave my vote to Control for this one. Because I, I felt just playing Control was just such an amazing game. And it had like so much amazing world building and aesthetics that it's hard to just, you have to just play yeah. the game to get how awesome that game is. I haven't had a chance to try it Control for myself, so I can't speak to it, but I'll have to give it a shot in the near future. Yes, I haven't even looked at it. Uh, some other funny things I've noticed about the like, uh, the Game Awards is that the family section is just all Nintendo games again. So I think it's about time we rebrand that category. The, the Nintendo yeah, section. The Nintendos. No, no, Nintendos. And to be fair, most of these games also have nominations in a lot of other categories. Uh, Resident Evil and Control both got, uh, uh, they're adding in uh, sound quality. So like how good the sound aesthetic is. Because yeah. out of all these games, I think Resident Evil 2 had not music, but like just sound in general. Was the so sound good design was too. so fantastic. Just, you know, just walking around the police station here. Yeah. Just off in the distance. All of the eerie sounds you would hear throughout the game, just like... You don't feel relaxed for a second while playing that game, and the sound goes a long way towards making that happen. There's a reason I never played Resident Evil games. <laughs> now, there's one thing I want to... It's not directly related to the Game Awards. This is more theory-crafting speculation on my part. But with the Smash Brothers DLC packs, they announced the first character that was going to be in the pack at the Game Awards last year. That's where we got the reveal for Joker. Do you think they finish off the reveals with having the last character of that pack revealed... And who do you think it would be? I do think this is a ripe time for them to announce the last character in the pack. So I think it, odds are pretty good that they will reveal it. I don't know who the last character will be, though. Because uh, who have we got so far? We've gotten Joker. We've gotten Fire Dragon Emblem. Quest Knight. Yeah, Fire, we got Hero. A hero from Dragon Quest. We've got some Fire Emblem characters. we got Banjo and Kazooie. And we got the... Terry from Punch, Fury. Punch Guy, Fatal Fury, Terry, yeah, <laughs> Fairy Terry, uh, yeah. So I feel like we need a more technical character because a couple of those are just like punchy or sorties. So I think it'd be good for us to get another more technical character, but I don't know who that would be. Well, currently there's a lot of speculation it's a Resident Evil character because uh, uh, when we're recording this, just to date this a bit. Currently, the uh, guest spirits that are on the Smash Brothers spirit board right now are all Resident Evil characters. That would make sense. Uh, so some people are speculating like it could be uh, a Resident Evil character getting added to the roster. Uh, there's also been some inklings that it's a very prominent Sony character, which some people like, oh, it could it be Crash Bandicoot or Spyro getting into the game? I think it'd be cool for Spyro to get into the game. Yeah, that would be neat. Because both of them have had really successful re-releases on the Switch with their uh, trilogy packs. Yeah. 
Spyro reignited and the I don't think the Crash Word had a specific Insane name. Trilogy. Insane Trilogy. And, and also we have Crash Racing as well. Crash which has been doing racing. really well. I'd certainly see Spyro over Crash though. Just judging by all the mechanics that Spyro has compared to what Ban or Crash can jump. That's he, he can jump, he can ogata and uh, there's some spinning. And he has like the face mask shield thing. There he's got stuff going on. Also he's got a girlfriend and Spyro doesn't. Uh, f- fair. Which means he's probably too busy to be in Super Smash Bros. Because it is a family-friendly game, after all. Of course, there's also the uh, fan theory that this is finally when they reveal Waluigi. <laughs> oh, that'd oh. be amazing! You know, it seems Sakurai is hesitant to put Waluigi in the game for some reason. And I'm all for leaving Sakurai to his own devices on this. I don't want to, like, you know, yell at him to, you didn't put my character. But I still think the funniest thing could be is in the startup for the real trailer, they have Waluigi in there in some capacity just to hype everyone up. And then, like, he just gets knocked aside for another character. It's just another Fatal Fury character. <laughs> <laughs> we lied about my. She's in the game. <laughs> All right. Should we uh, reveal what our topic for today is? I don't. I want. I'm assuming someone managed to figure it out. We gave a very clear clue last episode. Well, I just want to say if they leaked it, we definitely have to sue them. It's true. Yeah. That's how this works with our topic. Yeah. It's very secret. Not to be revealed until this very moment. And this very moment, being the time that we've revealed it, it is revealed to be. Also, if you read the title, you're cheating. Yeah, you're not allowed to know until right now. You have to go into our podcast blind. Pokemon Sword and Shield. What? Sorry, I what? What haven't, I didn't know until now because we haven't revealed it. Oh, I see. What did you think we were going to talk about? I don't know. The Game Awards? <laughs> it was looking like that for a second. <laughs> no, I just wanted to get that stuff out of the way. We'll, we'll talk about that more once it's actually gone on. Yeah, once they've actually announced all the winners. So, Pokemon. We've all played it, I assume. Yeah, this one particularly got plenty of flack over the fact that, hey, we don't have every single Pokemon in the game. But I don't care. It's a good game. Yeah, I was... I was quite pleasantly surprised by uh this game i thought there's a lot of changes they made that when i was reading about them before i came out i was like i don't know how i feel about that change but actually playing through it i think it felt real smooth and tight i found it a very enjoyable game well that's the thing like the pokemon formula is always going to be the same uh, but there's benefits to the fact that they limited the pokedex as opposed to other games because i definitely got it to the point where i felt like the games were to the point where you kind of needed to transfer pokemon over yes for certain aspects, but this game is fully contained. You can do everything. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they start slowly putting in other Pokemon. Well, uh, like data mining leaks have shown that like all of the Pokemon that aren't included still exist within the code. There's just no way to get them in the game. So it's very easy for them to do DLC where they unlock all of the Gen 1 Pokemon yeah, that aren't included. In I've heard like some rumor floating around that their importer for importing the models into the game completely broke so they couldn't get everything into the game and on top of that the benefit of having a limited dex is you can more balance the game and i don't know about you guys but going through the story i also found that because they so neatly balanced the game around the pokemon that were in there i never reached a point in the game where i felt like ah oh, shit if i only had this type of pokemon i could get through this it felt like you always got what exactly you needed for what was coming up challenge wise i definitely found it a lot more balanced in that like there's never a moment where it's like I know the exact perfect Pokemon for this situation because there's one Pokemon that perfectly fits the tight matchups and their skill sets. Where they reduced the kind of Pokemon, it felt a lot more balanced in that, like, there's a whole bunch of different Pokemon that can solve this problem. And also, I have access to all of the Ice-type Pokemon right before I need an Ice-type Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. 
And also, when I first saw that we're not getting every single Pokemon, my first thought was, finally, I'll be able to catch them all again. <laughs> now, I will say, there was one thing that bugged me about their selection of the Pokemon. I didn't mind that it was limited. I had a specific issue with one thing. And that was Charmander and its evolutions are in the game, but Squirtle and Bulbasaur's aren't. That just I, seems so weird to me that you break up a starter set like that. I I definitely understand where you're coming from, but I f- feel they did a very good job of explaining in-universe why Charizard would or Charmander and his evolutions would be oh, the yeah, only yeah. ones in the universe. Char- Charmander in the game made perfect sense, and it didn't break the email, and I think there's only the one Charmander you get at the end when you yeah. finish the game, and that's just kind of to build up the fact that Charmander, I don't think, was really supposed to be in the game, but they put it in there anyways, and they knew that he'd probably get some people upset of, well, he has Charmander, why can't I get Charmander? But oh. to break up a starter set like that just seems really weird. Not enough that like I had an issue where I'm not playing the game, it just felt weird. <laughs> yeah, it felt restrictive, because I know a lot of people, uh, when playing the first one, didn't pick Charmander. Charmander was a lot of people's first choice, but a lot of people liked Squirtle, and a bunch of weirdos liked Bulbasaur. I picked it's Bulbasaur. A- I stand by what I said. <laughs> it was a thing, and lots of people chose those other two Pokemon. So it makes sense that uh, there's uh, kind of people who are upset about the limitations on what starter Pokemon are available. Yeah. But for those of you who don't know, the reason that Charmander's in the game is the champion of the league. Uh, Leon is his name? Yeah, Leon. Yes. Leon. Uh, he's the only person in the game who owns uh, Charizard. It's his kind of key Pokemon. So it makes sense to me, at least, that as the champion, he went off to other regions as he talks about the existence of other regions all the time and just, like, found a Charmander. He's like, this is super cool. I'm going to take it and add it into my team. And that's why no one else in the world has a Charmander. Everyone talks about how cool his Charmander is. And then after you beat the game, he's like, hey, as a gift, have a Charmander. He's, like, the kid of my Charmander, I guess. It's never explicitly said, but I assume it's just one that hatched from his Charizard fucking a ditto. Probably. Most likely. Which goes a lot faster in this game, I might add. Yes. Yeah, surprisingly fast. I had to remember to pull out one of my Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we know my pull out game is strong. From the daycare. <laughs> before another egg hatched. Because they were coming out too fast. Yeah, it's a really sped up method in this game. Uh, on top of that, too, I felt also that none of the Pokemon really seemed out of place, which was really good. With yes. the selection they did, all the Pokemon. Okay, one Pokemon kind of felt out of place, but makes sense with the game, and that was uh, the big legendary of the game, Eternatus or whatever. Oh, yeah, Eternus yeah. felt... I, I could understand why it existed, but it just felt a little and weird. Not to say, like, the concept and what that Pokemon needs to do makes sense. It's just the design compared to what was else in this region felt a little off, but yeah. which not kind a big... Of... Issue. Which also makes sense a little bit because it's supposed to represent an alien that crash landed on an asteroid in this region and has since been yeah. fucking shit up. And so it kind of makes sense that it looks alien because it is literally an alien. And it's not the most outlandish design that we've seen, taken into account from Pokemon Sun and Moon, the Ultra Beasts. Yeah, I, I understand all that. I just, I do agree with you, Keith, where it just, it feels out of place and like the design's so completely different from anything else in the game. That, like, I caught it and I was immediately like, yeah, never going to use you. You look too weird for me to actually interact with you. It started to grow on me a bit, actually. I threw it into my party. (laughs) Now, uh, I guess starting at the beginning of the journey, who all did you pick as your starters in this one? I picked Sobble. And I picked Scorbunny myself. I have Grookey. Because I always start with the grass Pokemon, regardless. It's fair. I usually start with a fire type. However, this time I picked Sobble because, honestly, Sobble spoke to my heart. He... 
He, I just want to hold him and make all his pain go away. I was leaning more towards Score Bunny, but the intro cutscene that we get when they're first revealed to us definitely sold Score Bunny on me. He was definitely the most energetic of the three. He's well, a coked up bunny. Of course he's energetic. And I will say, just aesthetic wise and like just how the game plays, I feel like Score Bunny is the one that they kind of push. I feel like that yeah. one just makes the most sense is what your character would have started with. He certainly seems the poster Pokemon for, I guess, the theme of the whole journey. Well, the thing I would say is, I would argue either one of Grookey or Scorbunny fit the theme really well, because the theme leans two kind of ways while you're here. Kind of three ways over the course of the story. The first way that it leans is it leans very heavy into the, like, sports aspect, in that, like, all of your gym battles, instead of taking place in, like, a traditional gym like the old ones, which are heavily themed on the type you're fighting... Take place on, like, a soccer pitch is what essentially the stadium that you're fighting in looks like. And all of this fun stuff. So it leans very heavy into kind of, like, the sports and the fact that the main villain gang of the game, or for the first chunk of the game, is just a bunch of soccer hooligans. It's all very fitting into, like, the sports aspect. At the same time, there is some very heavy allusions to, like, a punk rock aesthetic. Yeah. And then the third theme is very much so because it takes place in, like, Pokemon's version of England knights just knights in shining armor and all that fun stuff which is where we get the sword and shield name so because of that i think it makes sense score Bunny definitely leans into that kind of sporty aesthetic especially when you see his evolve form and he's clearly like just a hacky sack nerd no, from he's what like a I soccer tell. player <laughs> now before we move on to the actual challenge aspect of the game there was something i want to address before we get too far ahead of this and that's your rival hop now i i'm I, a fan of the gary oak type of yeah, yeah we should, rival which is an ass to you in like a passive aggressive way and i enjoy that to the fact that when the game switched to having your rival be friendly i took on the role of i need to be the asshole now to this rival but in this one hop just he's trying so hard to have you just hate him i feel now to be fair he gets better as the game goes on and i end up liking him but the moment i knew oh this guy is just an issue completely is i take uh, Grookey, I'm like, yes, I take in the grass type. And he immediately takes the water type. I'm like, this yeah. Yeah. The what? first <laughs> rival to fuck up the fact that you take the stronger type to you. Although, it works out really well in the game, because that means that the champion actually ends up having the one that's stronger against you. And yeah. the champion raises that in his final team. Yeah, so, while it's never, like, explicitly said, like, in the early games, it was you choose one, your rival takes the one that's strong against you, and the third one gets abandoned into a PC box to be never mentioned again. And some of the more recent ones, like X and Y did this, uh, you choose one, your rival chooses the one that's strong against you, and then like a friend of yours just takes the third one that's left over. And that's how it worked out in some of those middle ones. And then in this most recent one, it seems kind of like it's going back towards that you take one, your rival takes one, and the third one's forgotten about. Until you get to that final champion battle, you're like, what the fuck are you doing with a third Pokemon that's strong against me? <laughs> Just to, to say, like, the moment that happened, I was like, you're lucky I can't name you, because I totally would have named you Cuck at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I really do miss the old rivals that we had. The rivals who the f- you actually felt good about beating, because they're assholes and you're yeah. proving that you're better. So the first them. rival, he was a dick. The second rival was actually a criminal. Yes. He stole his Pokemon. And then after that, they just became your friend, which is... Well, I feel like in, from what I remember of Sapphire and Ruby, they weren't like your friend. Well, they were somewhere between they, friend they were, and like Gary Oak-esque rival. Well, where they like, were your neighbor acquaintance. 
Which, to be fair, is also what Gary Oak was in the first one, but Gary Oak was just more of a dick about and, it. And what I will say is, one of the aspects I did like about the rivals within this game is you had multiple, which is pretty cool, because you had Marnie, which did, like, I felt that she was the strongest of the rivals. Like, she actually gave the most interesting story and development throughout it. And then the person I felt matched the Gary Oak aesthetic that I craved oh, so much. Baby? Yeah, yeah. Beatty or, or Beatty? Be- Betty? Betty? Bidet. Bidet. I, I was just calling him Beatty. I called him Bebe. <laughs> fully acknowledging that it was a B-D-E-D-E, I just called him Bebe anyways. He, he definitely went full Gary Oak there for a bit, to yeah. the point where he started going crazy Gary Oak. He was... <laughs> I need Stardust! To be fair, he never reached peak Gary Oak, which was Gary Oak getting like 10 badges to face the Elite for it when he only needed 8. <laughs> No, he was kicked out of the challenge before he had that chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I do have to give credit to the team that <laughs> made the game for actually doing that. Yeah, giving a rival, making him a dick, making him such a dick that he causes problems, and then being like, you know what? You've been a dick. You're kicked out of the challenge. Yeah. Can we now talk for a second about the challenge itself? Yeah. And the fact... So, in previous games, if you're a kid... You just kind of start training Pokemon, and if you're going to train Pokemon, you might as well face the trader, uh, the gym leaders anyways. There's no like, special big deal about it. It's just a thing you get to do. In this world, it's like the sporting competition of the year, yeah. and because of that, you need to be specifically endorsed to be allowed to challenge gym leaders. Yeah. And I really liked the implementation of it. Yeah, I'd have to say, if you want to take story aspect of loan of how they implicate the like the, the system of the tournament... This is by far the best game. Yes. Yeah. Even the original games, it just, it didn't feel like, this is the game where the challenge of becoming the best actually seemed to be the driving goal of your character throughout the game, where all the other ones just kind of seemed to be passing things, because you easily get lost through all the previous yes. games about what's going on with the challenge, and the first two weren't really that, it was more of just, oh, might as well just do it, now yeah. again, limitations of the time. But with the games after that, it felt like the main focus of the game was just like, the world's in danger! Yeah, the first two, it was very much so just like, the joy of exploring is what drove you. There was no real motivation for you to face the gym leaders other than you could and you needed to to progress the game. Yeah, and all the future games, it became a lot more about, like, the legendary Pokemon causing problems. And in this one, like, your main drive was specifically to fight the gym leaders and to become the champion, which I love because it also led to several moments which I was a huge fan of, which is in this game... Instead of the world being in peril and all the adults being like, all right, well, you're a kid who's a decent trainer. You solve our problems. And this one, it's like you multiple times see shit going down. And you're like, oh, yeah, I get to get involved in the story. And then the champion comes over and he's like, no, you're a little kid. Keep doing what you're doing. I, an adult, will solve this problem. And that's just what happens. He just walks <laughs> yeah. away and solves the <laughs> that's problem. That's all I wanted to hear for my whole life. The phrase, I, an adult, will solve this problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, above all else, I enjoyed the story. Uh, you need an endorsement to join the championship or the uh, the gym challenge. So you prove yourself to Leon. So he decides to endorse you and Hop, his younger brother, into the challenge. You go through the region, fighting the gym leaders, collecting the badges. And in the meantime, things seem to be going down. The chairman who runs the whole gym challenge and is the owner of the big power company that supplies power to all of the Galar region, and very obviously supposed to be the antagonist. I mean, that's a problem actually, Pokemon games have had for a while, though. Yeah. When I first saw him, I was like, this guy's the villain, and then when he shows up in, like, a hat, sunglasses, it's like, okay, maybe he's not the villain. Yeah. Well, they do, uh, they do a solid effort of trying to make it seem like he's not the villain. At the beginning, they, like, there's something shady going on with this guy, but then they very clearly try and make it clear that 
BD is the villain and he's the one who's scuzzy. And then he gets kicked out of the gym town. You're like, oh no, it wasn't him. It was someone above him. Yeah. But they do a lot of effort to make it look like it's Oliana who's the real problem. I'm going to say, like, as soon as the BD story started developing and then you found it, uh, that uh, uh, Olana, was it? Oleana, something Oleana like that. was yeah. the person responsible for it's pretty much what he was doing. I was like, oh, the big twist is going to be the chairman's a complete idiot and yeah. she's been pulling all the strings all the time. And I thought that all the way up until you beat the battle trainer thing when you have to go fe- find Leon and you beat her. And it's like, oh, okay, it was him the whole time. Yeah. But he's still an idiot. <laughs> he's yeah. still an so, idiot, but it's just not. So, yeah, you get further on in the challenge. Things start stirring a little more. And then finally, your opponent or your rival challenger... Bidet, Beady, does something really extreme in his efforts to help the chairman. The chairman, who endorsed him, revokes his challenger status, so he's at a complete loss and he's out of the tournament. Can we take a moment to discuss the really extreme thing he did? So, over the course of the game, he's collecting wishing stars, which are the source of what allows Pokemon to Dynamax to fill this whole energy source. The chairman wants it for various reasons. Regardless, when you get to one city called Stowe on the side, you find this ancient mural that supposedly has information about the darkest day and you're like oh i should go check that out and it looks like a fucking four-year-old crayon drew all over the fucking wall and it looks pretty dumb but you're like all right <laughs> yep. i guess people love it Absolutely whatever terrible and then beta gets his fucking excavator drill pokemon to tear down the wall to look for wishing stars doesn't quite get through the wall you defeat him in a battle he's arrested and then you find out there's these amazing monuments hidden behind the wall and you're like Wow, Betty destroyed some dumb fucking art to reveal actual historical treasures. Well, I think, I, I can't remember this completely, but I believe someone even mentions the fact that the original mural was gone and someone recreated, like, this, like, poorly drawn one yeah. over top. And also, the post story does touch on that again. Sure. Uh, oh. So, for those of you who aren't aware, me and Keith have not played any of the post story. Matt has completed the post story, so... Matt's just going to tease us with shit like okay, that all that So I did a little bit of the pre-story. Okay. I haven't gotten far, though. Regardless. But yeah, anyway, so you finally get to the championships. You clear the semifinals. So it's you who's going up against the champion. When you finally get to the championship battle, something happens. Chairman Ross comes on the big t- screen TV. He's like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going ahead, Lee, sorry, or Leon, sorry. I'm going to cancel your gym battle right now. And I accidentally bar- brought a pot brought upon us the apocalypse. Now, well, I don't think he says accidentally. I think he very well, intentionally yeah. brought about okay, the, yeah. the darkest days, what? which were the apocalypse. So he intentionally brought it on, but he didn't intentionally lose control of it. Now, I think his plan all along was to lose control of it so that Leon could gain control of the situation and rule over this apocalyptic Pokemon. Which I want to point out as well. Leon was completely cool with this, if you remember, too, because they have the conversation. He's like, sure, just give me one more day. I want to have my battle, and then we'll do your plan. He didn't even know what the chairman's plan was. All he knew was that the chairman wanted to do something about the crisis. Well, yes, the chairman wanted to cancel the game so that they could solve this crisis. And Leon was like, just give me one more day. I'll do the battle, and then we'll do whatever your plan is to solve the crisis. The best part about this is repeatedly throughout the uh, conversation... The chairman admits the fact that the crisis won't be a problem for a thousand fucking years, but needs to be solved today. Which is my one problem with the story. The problem is not even a problem. It's something they could easily fix at any time. But the chairman has to get it done, so he's like, no, we're doing it now. This is a deadline I've set. I'm not going to push it any further. To be fair, it also, like, making that argument is also a very similar argument to what people make against climate change. 
where essentially the whole argument is an allegory for climate change because the chairman's like, look at our beautiful region. Look how much power goes into it. We're going to run out of the fuels that are used to power it. We need to solve this problem. And we're going to run out of them in a thousand years, but we should solve the problem today. And everyone else is just like, let's wait a couple days, then solve the problem. Which is like, a lot of people are like, oh, that's the argument people make against climate change. Except no, solve the problem today for climate change or within a week. Don't put it off forever. And I think Leon was actually going to help him with whatever yeah. the plan was the following day. Leon yeah. was absolutely on board with solving the problem, just not that one fucking day. Because yeah, he was looking forward to this final match so much. Now, of course, there was a single issue with this plan, and you would ex expect Chairman Rose to have looked into this, but you need two specific Pokemon to actually beat <laughs> this Pokemon that he summons. You need two legendary Pokemon who have not been seen in millions of years. Yep. And the fact that they actually existed was covered up by some crappy mural. <laughs> and the only people that really seem to know what's going on with this, too, is Sonya and you. As the player. Yeah, you and Sonya are the only ones who seem the least bit concerned with solving this. It doesn't even seem like a mystery at the beginning. It's just like, Sonya's interested in history and is learning everything she can about it. Uh, and you're like, alright, cool. Uh, ask me a question, I'll give you a one of two answers, and it'll always be exactly the insight you're looking for. <laughs> of course! Why did I think of the darkest day, the one thing we're always talking about? <laughs> and there was one little bit of a continuity error in the game. So when, you, when you get to the ice town... And the hot springs there where the two heroes, says the mural, yes. would like to go and bathe. All of the public thinks there was just a single hero, despite the fact that this very easy-to-see mural says that there were two heroes. I mean, because the issue with that would be is because the thing that people weren't sure about was with their Pokemon. There is some debate back and forth if it's the one or two, but it's not just the hot springs because also in the... What is it? The keep? In, in the yeah, vault. in the, the vault. vault. But the only vault. a few people are allowed access to the vault. And then, I uh, think the and then, only spot where it says anything about there only being one hero is that hotel, the Badu Drop Hotel that you stay in on mm -hmm. the first night. Yeah, and also within the same town, the uh, snowy one, there's also the <laughs> diner which has the two heroes yeah, too. true. But that guy just thought it was some fancy artwork he bought. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'll say is the music in this game was great, like uh, probably the best in the series. The only thing that might come close is the battle music when you fight Red in like Generation yeah. 2 on top of yeah. Mount Silver. Yeah, Man, the first time I heard the gym leader theme, oh my god. And the thing I love about this too is they start cheering, which just yeah. makes it so more hype. Yeah, and the, the cheering always seemed to line up with when the Dynamaxing started too. Oh, it was definitely, well, it was probably well, just a loop that well, probably. went to the Dynamax part. Yes, one thing I also fucking loved about this game is you get individual fans in this game. Yeah. The very first gym you go to, there's someone you can talk to in the corner. And they're like, oh, you're one of the gym challengers? Sure, whatever. Beat this first gym and maybe I'll learn your name. And then every gym you go to after that, they're there in the same corner. And they're like, oh, you're back. So-and-so. And they'll say your actual character name. And they're like, you gotta beat oh, yeah. this one or else my fandom makes no sense. And that <laughs> reminded me of another thing that I liked that this game did. All the NPCs that you go around to and talk to, they say the same thing no matter how many times you go back and talk to them. Outside of certain key characters. Yeah. Whereas... There's random characters walking around in the towns and on the routes, and when you walk past them, they have little speech bubbles that pop up as their uh, just ambient dialogue. That will change depending on where you are in the story. Uh, and it's the same too, like when you're going to the final battle, when you finish all the crazy shit and you're going to fight Leon for the first time, 
your your walk to the stadium has people cheering, cheering you on. It's like, kick his ass! Well, you get cheers from both sides of the stadium where there's people cheering you on and people being like, yeah, kill him, fucking Leon! Kill this punk-ass bitch! Yeah. <laughs> Show that ten-year-old his boss! <laughs> yeah. When his Pokemon are dead, then you just have to kill the human! Oh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, another thing I quite enjoyed... I want to ask you guys, because I assume this is the case with everyone who walks up. During the final, in the final town, Winden, when you go into there to fight the, fight the final channel, challenge, you can talk to some of the fans in, like, the waiting area of the stadium. I was wondering if you guys talked to any of the fans and any of them talked about your team composition, uh, like, to their friends. Yeah, one of them was saying that they felt my team didn't have any decisive way to earn a victory. Yeah, mine was, it was well balanced, but I don't see a way to win the fight. Okay, so I used the same Pokemon to finish off every single one of the gym leaders. And so when I got to that final gym, uh, they were talking, man, his Inteleon is super powerful. I want to see what it does. <laughs> so I was trying to see if it just always talked about your starter or if it just talked about a specific Pokemon you used. That's cool, though, that they pay attention to the Pokemon yeah. you use in gym battles. Yeah, because uh, I used, I think, a different Pokemon almost every time, because I, I very much go into the rock, paper, scissors element of the game. Fair. So, yeah. I, I usually KO'd the Dynamaxed Pokemon with one hit every time. I, I usually did lean into that, but for whatever reason, I was just like, you know what, Inteleon, you're getting all the praise this game. I'm yeah. doing everything I can. Because the game, like any other Pokemon game, is incredibly easy if you play to the type advantage. But when type advantage is not on your side... It becomes a challenge. Like, one of the three instances where I was actually challenged in the game was up against uh, Champion Leon. When he pulled out his final Charizard, I'm like, okay, I'm sending out my Dreadnought, my water... Oh no, his... My, one of his Dynamax attacks is a grass type. Yeah, fuck shit my up. water rock Dreadnought came out. I'm like, this is the perfect type matchup. I'm just gonna one-shot him. His Charizard faster... Uses a grass type move and one hit KOs my Dynamax Dreadnought. I'm like, uh, excuse me? Yeah, it's because his Charizard knows Solar Beam, and it's normally a normal type, but in fucking Dynamax form, that immediately becomes a grass type Dynamax attack. Right. Yeah, uh, that was one thing I loved is throughout all of the gyms, the first seven very much so lean into their type and only have the one type of trainer yeah. Pokemon, and so they get pretty easy to walk over. The last two, though, uh, Raihan and then the actual champion, don't do that. They don't have all of their Pokemon be one type. They have some variants within their yeah. teams. And you always hear Raihan talking about how he's the champion's only rival. And it's like, of course you are. The champion actually knows the value of different types, and you're the only person who has different types of Pokemon yep. on your team. And the thing about that, too, is uh, the battle with Raihan. I had, I had the same problem where I pretty much wiped his team with my uh, Rapidash, my, the Glaren version, and then the final one comes up, and it's like, ah, shit, steel type. <laughs> yeah. So I think at this point we should probably talk about what our team composition was, at least at the end of the game, what kind of Pokemon we had on there. Oh, yeah. sure. Uh, so... Uh, I actually dropped my starter because I just felt grass type I wasn't getting much out of in the game. Fair. Uh, so I ended up finishing with a Dragapult. I also had my Rapidash. I had Corviknight. I had a Colossal, Mr. Rhyme, and uh, Bolton. All right, Matt, who'd you have on yours? Okay, I had my starter evolved into the Cinderace. Nice. I had Hatterene. Uh, I used the uh, Galarian Zigzagoon. Zigzagoon. Oh, I wanted to, but he looks so fucking yeah. dumb, I couldn't yeah. get over it. I used him until I got the Obstagoon evolution, then I just swapped him out. <laughs> I like it. I used uh, Yamper, who evolves into Boltoned. I of used course. my Dreadnought, Corviknight, 
and Frostlass. I brought in Frostlass for an ice type against uh, the Dragon Gym leader. Uh, I didn't have a nice type at that point, because Mr. Rhyme, you didn't get until afterwards, unfortunately. Really? Yeah. I got mine before. Where'd you find yours? On the route on the way back yeah, from route the 10, Ice Town? Route 10, I found uh, Mr. Mime on. Oh, I didn't I didn't find him until I got to uh, just afterwards. Oh. oh, to be fair, the locations of the Pokemon were also a little bit different. Like, True. On my team, I had Arcanine, who's very easy to find throughout the game, but uh, throughout Shield, but in Sword... He's in like three different places. Or no, he's in one place specifically. Yeah. And only during specific weather phenomena. Yep. Uh, so my team composition, uh, composition uh, as I already said, I had Arcanine uh, representing some fire types. I had uh, my starter fully evolved into Inteleon as a water type. I had Weevil, the ice dark type Pokemon. I got the new Pokemon Toxicricity or whatever, however you pronounce that one. Yeah. Uh, poison electric type. I had Lucario, my boy, and I had Flygon for a uh, ground type. Now for your uh, uh, toxicity, did you have up amp or low amp? I had uh, low amp. Oh, amp, okay. okay yeah, I, I didn't bother evolving mine, so I don't know what mine's going to turn into. Yeah, I didn't well, either. <laughs> you can also just look at its nature and that will yeah, tell you true. what it type it will evolve into. And but, fun fact, if you change its nature, it doesn't change what it evolves into. Yep. No, I found Toxicristy really nice because he's got the electric type for the water and flying, but he also has poison type. And poison's one of the, like, two things that's good against fairy, and I was like, I need something to take down fairy. Uh, another, uh, actually, a fun thing when we're talking about the Pokemon in this game, too, is they introduced a lot of very interesting evolving methods for Pokemon, which I found yes. pretty good. Like, uh, Obstagoon. Oh, that was annoying, because I found out that you needed to get your Linoon up to around level 50 or 55, and it has to be in enough battles, and then it'll evolve. Yeah, that sounds infuriating. Or was it a Creamery? Uh, I think is the name of it. Creamery? I never caught Creamery. Uh, uh, but for that one, there is like, I think, four or five different fruits you can give it. And then it evolves. Uh, it's the same Pokemon, but what it looks like is different depending on what fruit it's holding, which direction you spin, how long you spin, and what time of the day it is. Of course, because it's the whipped cream Pokemon. Yeah. Evolving from Milsery. Uh There's also Farfetch'd into Surfetch'd, only with the Galarian form. But only evolves if he gets three critical hits in a single battle. Which gets harder if you didn't do it during the game. <laughs> yes. And then there's also the Galarian Yamask, who will only evolve when you bring him underneath a certain stone arch in the wild area when he's taken a certain amount of damage. I believe it's 46 specifically. Yes. And you can't use any healing items or revives to get him to that. Yeah, the, the trick I've been seeing most people do is uh, the something sash. I can't remember what it is. A uh, focus sash. Focus sash. The one where you just go up against one of the big things out in the wild, and it's like you can do a buddy, and then as soon as it hits, it just poke a doll and run. Yeah, I did really like how uh, this game paid an homage to the fear tactic that everyone made into a meme. If you don't know the fear tactic, it's uh, F is for focus sash, which you equip to a uh, Pokemon. The way focus sash works is if you would ever take. Uh, one hit KO damage, you're left with one hit point instead. Uh, the E stands for Endeavor, where you perform an attack which reduces your opponent's hit points equal to your current hit points. <laughs> so, go up against a level 100 Pokemon, Focus Sash gets you down to one, Endeavor brings them down to one, A stands for Quick Attack, which kills them immediately, <laughs> and R stands for, uh, which one? Repeat? Rat Rattata. Oh, okay. Rattata, because you usually do it with Rattata. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Repeat. But they had a nice reference to that in that if you go to Hammerlock uh, 
and you're walking around, one of the hosts is you walk into, but he's like, let's have a battle. And he does an exact fucking tactic against you. Terrified me. I was not expecting that. Uh, there was definitely quite a few interesting characters of that sense in there. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think about the gym leaders, though? I I found some of them more interesting than others. One thing we should also mention about this is, for the first time ever, the differences between these games went beyond just the Pokemon that were available to you and the legendaries and, like, small story changes. There also were different gym leaders between the different versions. Yeah, you got either fighting or ghost type. And, and then, then for the other rock one, or ice. Yeah. So I had shield, so I had ghost and ice. And I had fighting and, uh, and the rock. rock. And those the same with me. Now, there was one thing I was a bit upset with, because I feel like most of the gym leaders actually had a quite a big role in this game. Yeah. Uh, especially <laughs> for some specific ones. But the ones that could be different in either game, really the only thing you did going up to them was you just walked into the yeah, game. You had a yeah, bit there was of... no actual story involving those yeah. characters. There was a little bit of dialogue with them in the post-game, but nothing special that couldn't be cut and paste now that being said alistair the ghost trainer is amazing i'm sure he is and i think he might have the best uh gigantamax evolution pokemon because his gengar literally turns into a portal to like a death dimension oh fuck because it's like this giant thing in the mouth opens up and it's got that spiral thing it's just laughing there like shaking like it's very similar to his old uh, mega evolution Except I, more terrifying. I and do bigger. think the fucking Gigantamax Pokemon were so fucking cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, currently, my favorite one is the, even though it's not in the game, the Gigantamax Snorlax. Yes. Spends 20 years finally standing up with his sprite, and then the Gigantamax, he's so big that he's literally a mountain and moves as much as a mountain. <laughs> so, a couple things I really liked about the gym leaders. I really liked the first three where it kind of takes you through the three starter types where you go, Grass, the modern, than fire. I also like how they kind of build it up. So, in the story of the world, you have to finish a specific... Or beat a specific gym leader before you can progress on to the other ones. And because those three are apparently so... Like, they're the gateway to proving you're an actual challenger. That anyone who manages to beat all three gets shown off out of the city by all three of them. They're like, man, that was awesome. You beat all three of us. You're an actual challenger. Congratulations. And they all kind of send you off. I found that to be super fucking cool. It was a nice little bit of flavor to the world building because they also said that most gym challengers don't even make it past them. Yeah, which is funny too because uh, the grass trainer at the very least kind of acknowledges how bad he is. Yeah. Well, he acknowledges that he tries to make his challenge interesting since everyone gets to do it. And then if you read his uh, Pokemon card, he specifically talks about the fact that like he doesn't like to go hard against uh, low-level trainers which is why he's the first gym leader that you face, because he cannot bring himself to try his hardest against all the gym challenges. Because he sees only himself as his own rival. So he, when he challenges himself, it's against himself. Yeah. And then the, the water trainer and the fire trainer both seem to be taking it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. yeah. The water trainer considers the grass gym leader to be her rival. The, the grass gym leader's like, no. Which is also super fun, because like, as a water trainer, of course she considers the grass trainer her rival because everything he has is super effective against her. Also, the grass gym leader, Milo, is the biggest <coughs> buffest man with the most baby face ever. It's amazing. Yeah, he's a very clear himbo in that he's not too bright, but he is just pure hunk. <laughs> uh, other gym leaders I found really compelling and really liked the way they kind of built the world... Pierce, I think Pierce was phenomenal. Oh, Pierce, Pierce was, was my favorite. And that uh, his town uh, doesn't have a Dynamax spot, so his gym doesn't have the big Dynamax battles, which means that 
he doesn't get the huge rush of fans coming to see him like all the other gym leaders. And so because of that, he wants to stop doing that and wants to become a punk rocker. But also, like, later on when you're doing essentially the boss rush of previous gyms, Pierce also states that he refuses the Dynamax, even though he's in the big stadium. So he, and yeah. I don't know about you guys, but Pierce got past the first round against the Ice Trader in yep. mind. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, he beat a person who Dynamaxed with his team. So immediately, with respect there, I was like, man, if Pierce, if I end up fighting him in this tournament, I'm not Dynamaxing. I'm going to show the respect yeah. back to this man. He also, uh, according to the dialogue with Raihan, came close to beating Raihan. Yeah. And uh, did you guys go back and retry to fight the challenge again? Uh, I have not yet. I okay. have not yet either. Because I went to do it because I was curious how it would work. Because considering in the past games you had the Pokemon League that you could rechallenge over and over again. Yeah. In this game, you claim the title of champion from Leon. He's no longer the champion. The game world acknowledges that. And so what Can would happen? Can we take a second to acknowledge how great it is to feel for the game to actually acknowledge you as champion? Rather yes. Than all the other games where it's like, yeah, you won, but, like, Gary's still going to be the champion. You just go explore yeah. the world. If and you want to come back, you can challenge the champion and Gary again. Well, Sun and Moon also did a similar thing where you're acknowledged as the champion by a few of the characters, yeah. and you just defend your title when you go to the Pokemon League. But um, I liked how Sword and Shield did it. You go up to the front counter, and they're like, Hey, champion, the gym challenge is open to you at any time. So you go in, they ask you which gym leader you want to invite. So you choose any of the gym leaders to invite in with you, and they're on the same side of the bracket as you are, and two other gym leaders are on the same, the opposite side. For me, it was Raihan and Pierce again. So uh, first round's out, I just beat some generic, nameless gym challenger who's apparently coming through with the gym challenge again. Yeah. And then I face off against the uh, gym leader that I invited. On the other side, Pierce, he beat Raihan. <laughs> oh... Without Dynamax, so I got to fight Pierce. Did Pierce Dynamax against you? No. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Did oh. you Dynamax against him? No. Good. Oh, fuck. I love Pierce so much. But then that's the end of it, because there's no champion for you to beat. Yeah. So I kind of want to experiment with, with intentionally losing to see if whoever beats you becomes, becomes the, the champion. champion. But I also don't want to lose my winning streak. That's fair. I say you do that exactly again and let Pierce beat you so he can be the champion he deserves to be. So, from what I can gather, it looks like any subsequent attempt is kind of randomized in who you'll fight for the final match. I feel like the first one was definitely scripted, but that's cool if it is randomized from then on. I also, yeah, I like the idea... So the way it works when you get to that final battle is instead of the Elite Four, like in previous games, where you fight four specific trainers who are all super powerful, uh, the first thing you do is you have the semifinals where there's a little tournament bracket between you and the other... All the other gym leaders. All all the other gym trainer or challengers first. Yeah, because first you have the challenger tournament. Well, it's the challengers who made it. So first you fight up against Marley, and then you find out that Hop decimated whoever he was in a fight with, which is some nameless challenger. Not important enough to have a name. Uh, And then you fight Hop and decimate him once again. Uh, And then, yes, you go out and you fight against all the gym leaders who are fighting their hardest because the way it works is the gym leader, if they happen to win this tournament... They have the right to challenge for title of champion as well. So everyone's going balls out to try and become the champion. Which raises one interesting caveat because 
uh, BD's big thing that he was upset about was the fact that since he's not in the tournament, he can't be champion anymore, but he's now the fairy gym leader. Yep. Which means he can be that champion, was, I guess. That was hilarious, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, when he just come, I was upset because I was like, I was looking forward to having all your rival characters at the end. And it's like, okay, we're starting the tournament. And then BD walks out in like the fairy suit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, wait yeah. a minute. Why is he here? He storms the pitch, demands a final battle with you, and he declares at the beginning of the match, if I win, I'm going to consider myself the new champion. If I whatever. lose, I quit training forever. Yep, which was going to be his ticket out of the fairy hell that the old fairy gym oh, leader yeah. Yeah. pulled him but into. He loses, but the entire crowd starts cheering for him so aggressively that he's like, Fuck! <laughs> Trady, you've ruined my plans again! <laughs> every step of the way, you've ruined every single plan I've had! Uh, another thing I actually want to talk about a bit is how they do the gym challenges this one, because uh, unlike previous games, it's not just kind of walk through, fight one or two gym leaders, uh, not gym leaders, gym trainers, trainers, and then fight the gym leader. They actually have mini games you have yeah. to get through, which I, I found quite the most. My favorite one was the fire gym. <laughs> just because of how just completely different it was. Yeah, catch Pokemon. Oh, yes, the fire gym. Yeah, you have to obtain five points. You get two points for catching a Pokemon, one point for KOing a Pokemon. When you're in the encounters to catch the Pokemon, there's one of the gym trainers there with you on your team. Oh, not on your team. Well, also fighting you as well on as On your team in quotation marks. I targeted them first every time. Yeah, I eliminated them with all of my attacks. My first time, I'm like, okay, they're probably just going to try to KO the uh, Pokemon first. So I decided I'm going to use one of my weaker attacks to weaken him a little bit. Then I can potentially catch him after he hits. No, he flinches me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're dead. I did that to him before he did it to me. So <laughs> I was like, I know exactly what's going on here, and you're not getting through this. Uh, can we take a second? Because there were the two gym leaders who weren't uh, in Sword and the two gym leaders who weren't in Shield, can we talk for a second about what their gym challenges were? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's just go chronologically. Okay. So right, first so we had the Grass Gym where you had to, to herd the Wooloos. Yeah, herd Wooloos to destroy hay bales. Next, we have the water gym, where you have to solve a water maze puzzle by turning off vents. The most challenging one, definitely. <laughs> sure. There's the fire gym, where you have to catch Pokemon. Uh, from there, you get to the fighting slash ghost one. So, what was the ghost one? Uh, so, the ghost one was pretty much a pinball machine. Okay, pinball. so it was the same, because the so, fighting one was also pretty well, much a pinball Ours machine. was like a Plinko machine, with punching gloves that would punch you back up uh, And you so, spun the controller. Yeah, mine was the exact go, same, right. just it was ghoul hands. Okay. Ours was punching gloves. Okay. That's disappointing that it's the same. Uh, so then on from fighting, it went to fairy, where you essentially just had to fight trainers while also answering questions, which got less and less about fairies. Now, I have a question for you guys. When they asked you what you have for breakfast, did you get that right or wrong? I got that one right. I got that one wrong. I, I got that one right. I was like, curry's not a breakfast food. I clicked omelet. Yeah. I got her favorite color wrong, though. I got her favorite color right. I also got her age right, because at that point I was trying to get it wrong. And so it asks you what her age is. And if you read her trainer card, she's 88 years old. And the options available to you are 16 or 88. If you answer 88, she gets mad at you. But if you answer 16, she's like, I like the way you answer. You get a buff. So you get the buff for getting the wrong answer <laughs> in the last one. Uh, so, yes. There's... So I answered all the questions right, but I don't get to be fairy trainer because I wasn't pink enough. Yes. After the fairy one, you go on to... Is it the one... The other difference? The rock slash... Ice. Ice? Yeah. I don't remember what the challenge was the, for that one. The rock one, you have... Trap detectors in your hand, so you've oh, got right, to navigate yes. a maze of pitfalls. And I'm assuming you were walking over ice that slowly collapsed. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, to be fair, that gym, uh, at least on the ice side, was very forgettable. 
I don't know about the rock side, but really nothing happened in that. Yes. Yeah, no, it was kind of gettable. The main tricky bit was when you get to the like last level of it, and it gets a big sandstorm, so you can't even see, and you're just relying purely on the motion controls to yeah. try and get. Your and own then I, I didn't the have gym. a sandstorm; it was just really foggy. Yeah. Fair. And then the gym leaders showing encouragement from beyond. Yes. No, also, my, mine did not say anything. Oh, okay. Mine was, uh, well, for lack of a better term, a cold bitch. Fair. Uh, then you get into what is the weirdest gym challenge, but also my favorite gym, which is the dark gym, where it's just you running down the street and a whole bunch of members of Team Yell just accosting yeah. you no. every step of but the way. But here's the reason Pierce just becomes better as well. That was pretty much you just playing like a side scroll and beating up because the music was like yeah. kind of like Streets of Rage esque yeah. and even had the thing with the hand pointing. Yeah. When you One of the instances you finish the challenge and then the uh, neon, neon sign. sign of a hand pointing forward turns. And even it, like even explain the invisible go. wall. Yeah, yeah. They even explain the invisible wall with the Mister Mime doing the mirror yeah. wall. It's great. It's and that's when you find out that the team Yell, who was Marnie's fan club, are actually all of the gym trainers from Spike Myth. Also, you find out that this was not at all... So, the gym trainers from Spike Mouth all decide to go out and accost all the other gym challengers so that only Marnie can possibly finish the gym challenge. And then they also shut down Spike Mouth so no one other than Marnie can get in. So, this is like the last wall no one can challenge beyond this point. You find out in this point that Pierce had no idea of any of this going on. He was just trying to play concerts and everyone, all of his gym trainers just decided to do this because they wanted to bring honor back to Spike Mouth. But also, what a dumb fucking idea, because actually having Pokemon challengers battle at that gym probably would have gotten more people to check yeah, it out than having the knowledge that no one can challenge Especially there. if some of these gym challengers who were skilled enough to get this far to the 7th gym were beaten by Pierce who can't Dynamax. Exactly, that would bring Pierce so much more praise. But then yes, the, you fight through these streets of rage type things. Uh, finally, the gym challenge for the dragon type was just fight in a double battle against three of the trainers who have been personally trained by Raihan. And it's an homage to the fact that you're going to do a double battle against Raihan. It's fine. It was not super cool, but not super dumb either. It was just what it was. Well, I think the challenge of him was just more so him himself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely the most difficult gym gym leader to fight against. He was the most difficult, but again, fairly easy if you keep taking the type advantages. Well, even if you take in the type advantages, the only weaknesses that Dragon has is Ice, Fairy, and Dragon, dragon itself. True. If you try and use Dragon, his Dragon's super effective against your Dragon. It works yeah, itself but, out. But since I had, use, I had Frostlass and Hatterene, so I had Ice and Fairy moves on my with side. With Fairy, he does make a point of having members of his team who are super yeah. effective against Fairy. He also makes a point of having members of his team who are super effective against Steel. It just has to work out that you have the right ones at the right time. Yeah, you really, you, it comes down to knowing what Pokemon he has so that you can throw out the correct one when he does. So playing yeah. that Mark yeah. versus game. I had uh, Dragapult and Rapidash at this time. So really, I just kind of flopped them around until I needed them. <laughs> he was not super difficult, but he was definitely the most difficult in that he played the type advantage game himself. Like he was aware of what you were going to bring into that. And planned accordingly for things. Wait, that which I do effective. very much enjoy that being implemented in this game as well, because plot-wise as well, just he's a person who relies on elements and stuff. He yeah. like his whole card even talks about like you know using the weather to his advantage. So using typing as your advantage and the fact that he considered himself and even Leon seems to consider him a rival. Yes, that they would both understand using type advantages. Yes, yeah. because that's been a big problem for all these games. Is these gym leaders who are supposed to be the most powerful trainers in the entire world. Seem to assume that one type is single-handedly the best, but rock paper scissors logic 
rock is not always going to win. Eventually, you're going to have to get a piece of paper to cover up that rock. None of the gym trainers seem to understand that until this one, when you actually have Raihan and the champion. Champions have always kind of understood that you need to have different types. But Raihan's the first time you have a fucking gym leader who's like, yes, I'm the dragon type gym leader, but I don't just have a bunch of dragon type Pokemon. I have dragon type Pokemon. I also have some fire type Pokemon and some fucking steel type Pokemon who aren't dragon related. Super cool. And I really like the way they did that. Uh, now that we've uh, talked about the gym leaders and the challenge, I guess another thing that's kind of big in this world that we should probably touch on is uh, the wild area. Yes. That's, that was a very fun place to explore and terrifying also. So did you guys have the same experience that you get off the train into the water? It's like, oh, this is fun. And the giant onyx appears like, oh, I'm going to fight it. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, I also didn't go well. I was glad that I picked up some Poké Dolls. Yeah, they, they, I, I think they make a deal for giving you like at least five or six. Yeah, I think they yeah. give you five right as you enter the wild area. And they're like, you're going to fight some shit that's going to be too powerful for you. For you. Have some Poké Dolls just in case. <laughs> I'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, yes, I really liked the wild area. I found myself... So at a certain point, I decided to start hunting for specific Pokemon that I wanted on my team. I knew at a certain point I would want Lucario on my team. I knew the easiest way to get uh, Riolu, which is his unevolved form, was either to wait for one specific weather phenomenon in one region, which I kept trying for, and you'll get one weather per day, so I was not rolling into, or max raid battles. So I found myself spending hours just running around from den to den to <laughs> den, doing all of the dens in the area, and then once you do them all, they all reset, so you can just go back and do them all over again, yep. and just looping through it endlessly, doing fucking max raid battles back to back. I really did like the max raid battles, for the key feature of like, if you manage to pull out a win, which is hard in the early game but very easy later on, you don't actually have to have any luck to catch the Pokemon. Throw any fucking ball at that fucker, and he's um, in that. For the special Gigantamax Pokemon. No, for the Gigantamax. You there's. I tried a Butterfree one, and it broke out and ran away. I know in the normal Gigantamax, or the normal, the normal Max Dynamax. raids, yes, you mm -hmm. just... I got to the point where I was like, I got a bunch of fucking net balls that I do not care about. I'm throwing net balls at this gigantic <laughs> yeah. Snorlax, and I'm catching him. Yeah, there's definitely the, the yeah, experience of the Onyx. The raid battles are great. There's uh, quite a few things around, too, that... With, with the Wild Area, there's never a point in this game you should not have money. No. You I, always have a lot of money. I got to the point where I realized I was spending more money on just fashion shit than I was spending on actually, like, Pokemon items. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, actually, one thing we a little overlooked a bit, uh, where we're talking about uh, throwing any Pokeballs and Netballs, Ball Guy. Ball, ball guy. guy! I love Ball Guy! Ball Guy's so cool! Oh, speaking of, I have to go back and talk to him. So, when you first kind of stumble into the beginning of the opening ceremonies for this gym challenge, because it's very clearly just a sporting tournament that everyone cares about... You just happen to see a guy dressed up like a Pokeball. Well, no, just wearing, like, a fucking tracksuit and a Pokeball head. Well, he's got white shorts, red top, and then he's a Pokeball head. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, what the fuck's this guy got going on? I'm going to go talk to him. And he's like, hey, here's a Pokeball. Come talk to me whenever you see me. And every time you run into him, he gives you a different type of Pokeball with very specific circumstances. And, like, tells you about why this is a cool Pokeball that you should use in specific situations. He's so fucking cool. You got to the point where, like... I was chasing after other Pokemon, and I was like, wait, this would actually be a great ball, and I know because Ball Guy told me it would be, and I'm going to use this ball right now. Ball Guy specifically told me how to use this in this situation. And you find out that Ball Guy's goal is actually to become the mascot of the Pokemon Le or the Pokemon Gym Challenge. Yeah. Yeah, he himself... Because I guess it would make sense that he should be a challenger in some capacity, well, because he also has a Pokemon trainer card. Yes, he does. Yeah, I have to go back to talk to him to actually get it, though. 
I completely forgot about that. Yeah, because you get a training card from all the gym leaders and a few of your challenges throughout the game, and then after the game, I believe you can get yeah, rare you can go, versions. Yeah, and when you go back to talk to Ball Guy after you beat the champion, then you can go and get his card. And when you go through the post game, when you interact with each of the gym leaders, then you get their rare league cards. Yeah, but you have to fight a Dynamax Pokemon inside the gym in order to yeah do. Do you guys really care about spoilers for the post game? No, not really. Okay, well, so do you want the general gist of what's going on in the post game? Sure. Okay, so both you and Hop feel drawn back to the place where you got your sword and shield for the legendary Pokemon. You put them back. And these two absolute weirdos show up. And by weirdos, I mean weirdos. I'll tell you this much. I have started the post game to the point where I've met those weirdos. And then I saw that and I was like, I should go to bed. And I just shut <laughs> yeah. off my car. I've not encountered the weirdos. You will know them when you see them. Oh, I bet. They've got sword and shield haircuts. Oh, nice. Yes, and no, the sword... Does, the blade does not go down his back. It goes straight up. Oh, Marge Simpson-esque. I, I, I might have actually seen a photo of these two. Okay, yeah. Uh, with a Doug Dimido meme. Yeah. Swordward and Shieldbert. <laughs> anyway, they're, they try to steal those items. The shield guy beats Hop. Or for us, I'm assuming you'd fight the shield guy and the sword guy would beat Hop in yours. Yeah. And uh, you beat the sword guy and take back your sword. Vice versa for you. And then you run around chasing them around. You find out they're collecting wishing stars and forcing Pokemon to Dynamax. I believe they also declare themselves the new kings yeah, of Get the Galar they region. They inform you that they're the descendants of the original king and hate what Professor Sonya is writing about the legendary Pokemon and all that. And that it's just lies and blatant disregard for respect of their royal lineage. <laughs> Which, on top of that, just a brief mention of the Sonya, when she became the professor, that was also a pretty cool moment in the game. She's like, yes! <laughs> yeah, when she's, like, having that talk with her grandmother, and then her grandmother's like, oh, by the way, if you're gonna be the professor, you're gonna need a lab coat. Cuts to black, cuts back in, she's wearing the lab coat, and she's now Professor Sonya, and you're like, yes! Motherfucker, yes! I would say, out of all the characters, she was definitely, the, like, plot-wise, more interesting. And this was a fun thought I had while, doing, uh, while the game was going on, too, that... The story of Sonya, ex like, exploring and trying to find the details of this old hidden thing. I was thinking, that'd be a cool concept of a Pokemon game on its own. Not like, you know, the, you're trying to be the champion. What about the other people in this world that are doing other things that involve Pokemon? Yeah. There's a lot of cool game ideas that the Pokemon company could go into with concepts like that. So, that actually brings me to something I wanted to talk about a little bit. Which is... The fact that the Galar region is clearly preparing for war with the Kanto region. Because if you go through the game... Galar, like, it, from the very beginning, the first time you meet Leon, he talks about the fact that his only goal in life is to make sure that the trainers in Galar are the most powerful trainers in the world. <laughs> the only region you ever hear them talk about is either Galar or the, some brief messages to Kanto. There's even people talking about how they flew here from Kanto to come watch the final battles of the gym challenge. But also, just like, every time you talk to fucking Leon or the Chairman Rose... All they seem to care about is making sure that the trainers in this challenge are the most powerful trainers we have available to themselves. They clearly know what's coming, and that's that Galar is going to declare war to try and re-accept their colonies of Kanto in order to build that. So I would love to have this sort of Pokemon war in the future. Their they're, uh, they're British is showing, and it's going into the uh, dark way that when we finally get Pokemon gun, there'll be a war. Yeah, And thanks to... 
a very specific gym leader in the original generation. We know that there was a war in the Lieutenant past. Lieutenant Surge. Lieutenant Surge. So it was the war between Galar and Kanto then? So Kanto was originally, a co- in my assumption, Kanto was originally a colony of Galar. Kanto had a war for succession and became their own, uh, comp- uh not company, their own country, uh, seceded from Galar. Lieutenant Surge fought in this war. And ever since then, Galar's been thinking about building back up the mighty empire that it once had in the past. I might be wrong about this, but that also, sorry, not to uh, talk over you, but that also explains why Chairman Rose is talking about how we need uh, so much more energy because we're going to run out in a thousand years. We're going to run out in a thousand years if we keep going as we are. But to quote Iron Man, this new power source could power something big for thousands of years or something, this city for thousands of years or something big for a very short amount of time. (laughs) He's building some fucking super weapons. Uh, Now, what I was saying was, I'm not sure about this, but is there a specific map for the Pokemon world? I would guess not just because they like picking regions, or is it under the assumption that the Pokemon world map is exactly our map, but things are different by name? I don't think they've ever released an official one. I think the only thing we know for sure is the relation of Kanto to the second generation. Kanto and Johto. And I think Sinnoh's also in there. Yes, I think Sinnoh is also in there. And the islands that are in uh, the Fire Red Leaf Green. Yes. I can't remember the name of the islands. Uh, so I think uh, there's like some rough connections there. I don't think they've gone so far as to declare an entire world map of how everything looks. But I know people have unofficially like shown how well it lines up with our actual world to show that like this clearly does fit here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, the they've first, actually taken landmarks yeah, from Yeah, the first three generations are all regions in Japan. Uh, then Gala's obviously... Uh, it's based UK. off of the UK. Yeah, yeah, and uh, then you know from Black and White was or not New Black York? And White? Uh, yeah, I think it was New York. X and mm. Y was France, and Sun and Moon was Hawaii. So I think they're roughly lined up, but I don't think they've actually come out to confirm this is how things line up together. And speaking of Sun and Moon, I, I don't know how many people really enjoyed Sun and Moon, but this game's definitely a big improvement from Sun and Moon. Yes, yes. I wasn't a, to be honest. I never finished Sun and Moon. I got halfway through, and I just like got exhausted with the way it worked as opposed to yeah, the like, previous games. Sun and Moon, it was just, it felt very forgettable and like most of it seemed like a chore to get through. But this game, I was actually excited the whole way through just yeah. like what was coming up and like there, seeing how things interacted. There was points where I'd be like, man, I gotta get home and play Pokemon. Not so I can finish it to talk about it for this podcast, but just because I just wanted to go home and play some fucking exactly. Pokemon. Exactly. Yeah. There were a couple of nights where I stayed up until like one in the morning because I'm like, okay, what happens next? Yeah. Whereas like Sun and Moon, like it was like, okay, I guess. But I guess part of that too, like it didn't really feel like it was, there was a challenge or anything to move the story forward as well. It was kind of like, hey, go fight this Pokemon. Yeah, that's... Here's a bad. That's one thing that I didn't really like is the, I guess lacking of any sort of obvious antagonistic force yeah like i love the good old gen 1 gen 2 team rocket who's an actual criminal syndicate that an actually present police force was actively looking for and they actually held people hostage i feel like this came i know this isn't really a thing that pokemon does but given that it's now on the switch instead of a handheld console or uh, like the game boy or anything like that I think it'd be really cool if they did a story DLC for uh, Sword and Shield, which actually expanded the story a little bit. Instead of having just Gun or whatever the third game in the <laughs> pairing is going to be that kind of ties the two together. Pokemon Trebuchet. If they actually have like a full-on like continuation of the story. 
Because I feel like there is more to be told in this story. And there is room for a, like, intentionally antagonistic force who is working against the player rather than just, like, Chairman Rose and the people who happen to work for his company indirectly opposing you. Yeah, his, uh, what was the name of those? Uh, Cosmo, Mar- Marco Cosmos? Yeah, Marco Cosmos, which I guess is technically the antagonist force. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's, well, it seems well, like Team Yell at company. first, and then it's Marco Cosmos. To be fair, I never found Team Yell as an antagonist. No, they were more just there. They definitely presented themselves as, like, the Team Rocket of Yeah, they were presented things. up front and foremost as, okay, these are going to be the nuisance throughout the entire story. <laughs> yeah, but also, it was, like cute nuisance like oftentimes when they were stopping it was like we don't want to mess with this pokemon he's sleeping shut the fuck up and walk away you're a champion you're a challenger you're gonna be loud <laughs> yeah it's like the first time you fight them like they're causing an issue in like the hotel room and one of them pulls out a vuvu so i was like oh they're just gonna be annoying yeah. yeah i also really fucking love the point when uh so the way another thing that this one did that i really liked was rather than having HMs be a way you need to navigate around the world, you just kind of unlock things naturally that happen. Like, you get a bike, which is how you navigate most of the world. And then when it comes time to learn surf, instead of learning surf, you just get wheels that attach to your bike that make it float on water. Instead of learning fly, you get access to a taxi system that will fly you around the world. Yeah, I definitely do like the method, because that's not just unique to this game. This has been something that's been happening through the games for a while now. Sun and Moon did it first, and... I certainly like how Sword and Shield did it a lot better than Sun and Moon. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But although I element, I do, I did enjoy arriving Tauros. Yes. yes. So I just really love in this game how uh, when you get to the point where you would unlock Surf, the fucking team yells like, "No, you can't use this Dreadnought for surfing. I won't allow it." And a guy's just like, "I'm working on an attachment for a bike so that no one ever has to ride on the back of a Pokemon again." You could ride on a bike. They're like, I won't let you use Dreadnought. He's my precious baby boy and you're not allowed to touch him. And then you fight them and they're like, you know what? I'm going to ride on Dreadnought's back so no one else can. And the guy's like, I don't care. We don't need to ride on Pokemon's backs anymore. And the first time when you get your bike, the yeah. Team Yell guys are accosting that same dude. It's like, uh, these guys are trying to steal my bike. Can you beat them? You beat them? Okay, thanks for helping me. Here, have my bike. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing that's fun about this too is that uh, since they're doing away with more of having essentially an HM slave, which yeah. you had to do back in the old days of Pokemon, yeah. it allows you to more build your team in a way that makes sense and what you want, instead of having that one point. It's like, well, I don't want him, but I need fly, cut, surf. And also, yeah, that's I like... what fucking Zigzag Goon was in earlier games. It was like, he learns most of the fucking HMs. Yeah, come on, buddy. Turn into Linoon, and I'll keep you on my team for a little while longer. And I also liked how in all the Pokemon centers, there was that guy who you could go to to relearn any moves. Oh yeah, the, the, making the move relearner so much easier to access yeah, in this nicknames, game. nicknames, move relearning, just having it all centralized was so much better. Yeah, instead of like later games where there's one person who will rate nicknames and you have to wait until you're like halfway through the game and there's a move relearner but you need to be up until like the last gym and you need to find like specific heart scales or tiny mushrooms in order for him to relearn moves. Where this guy's just like, yeah, fuck it, let's do this. They did away with HMs, and they made it just a lot easier to compose your team the way you yeah, actually want to. brought in so many more nice mechanics, but one thing that I didn't really like, and always, when I remembered it, never used it, and just most of the time just forgot about it, was access to the PC box pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I didn't use that once throughout the game. It kept coming to my mind, I could use this to just instantly heal my Pokemon oh, anywhere. Oh, it actually wouldn't heal your Pokemon. Oh, yet. it so doesn't. that is one thing. Uh... 
It, if you deposit a Pokemon and take it back out, it has the same hit points it had when it's Okay, deposited. that's good. Yeah, until you uh, enter a Poke Center, it doesn't actually do any healing. Yes. All right. So even if you catch a Pokemon in the wild and it gets sent straight to your box, it's waiting in your box at the hit points it was at when you caught it. Because I was going to say, if that worked like that, I, was, I kept meaning... It's the meaning, most cheese strat possible yeah, if it worked that I kept yeah. meaning to test it out, but kept forgetting every time. Yeah, I, I think the only time I specifically use it is if I was out in like a wild area and I wanted to train up something I didn't have with me. Or something along those lines, I would then use it in that circumstance. But I never actually used it story-wise to like, oh shit, I need to switch something out. Yeah, because like even before we started recording today, we were doing some trading. I was running back and forth from the daycare <laughs> to the Pokemon Center, and I'm like, oh wait, I have the PC right in my pocket. Yeah, I was doing everything from right there. Yeah, that was one thing. So I specifically tested that to see if it was a cheese track because that was going to piss me off a lot more. And once I realized it wasn't a cheese strat, I was just like, I'm never going to use this. Not that I would have used it as a cheese strat, it just would have made me mad if that was a strategy that was available I mean, to people. It's not a bad or good, I feel. It just makes things more... Like, this game was more about convenience for yes. all the things you're doing. Really, going to the Pokemon Center to swap out things doesn't... like. It's, it's not a, a thing that's needed for the game to yes. work the way it is. So, it makes it easier. It's kind of like a person saying... Oh uh, man, you should have to switch boxes, and if your box is full when you catch a Pokemon, too bad for you. I mean, yeah. it's just making it better. True. This game was essentially the Dark Souls 2 of the Pokemon universe, where they took away a lot of the annoyances and made it a lot more convenient, except in this way, it works and makes it a lot more accessible, because that's what Pokemon's supposed to be. Whereas in Dark Souls, the game's built around being challenging, and the moment you take away those inconveniences, the game becomes dumb. Whereas this game actually worked a lot better. Like... One thing that annoyed me ever so slightly, and I knew I was in the wrong for being annoyed about it, was the fact that you have automatic uh, EXP share, where anytime your Pokemon fight, all of your Pokemon gain experience. That bugged the shit out of me, but also I completely understood that I was in the wrong for being bugged about that, yeah. and most people fucking love that yeah. feature. I know a lot of people don't like the feature, especially the hardcore Pokemon players, but I'm in the same boat where I like the feature. The only reason it bugs the shit out of me is because I'm weird about it, and I want all my Pokemon to be the exact same level. So if I'm trying to level up my lowest level Pokemon to catch up with everyone else, and everyone keeps racing away because they're also gaining experience, it pisses me the fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I got to the point where I was like, all right, I need to train you, Growlithe, so you're the same level as everyone else. Everyone else, time to go hide in the box for a little bit while I train Growlithe all by its lonesome. It did help me keep my starter ahead of everyone, because I did the same thing I always do on a new playthrough, is my starter is always my highest level Pokemon. Again, I, I didn't run into that issue because I ended up getting, after I fully evolved up it, uh, I was like, I don't really have need for a grass Pokemon in this combination right now. And at that time, I had, uh, during the Applin evolution in uh, Shield, it's like Appdump or something like that. Appadump? Yeah, but essentially it's uh, Dragon Grass. And it's like, well, this fills that niche I need and keeps grass, so I don't want to have two grass there. And then I ended up swapping it out for uh, Dragapult. And I was like, well, I don't really need it anymore. But on, on your co uh, comment there, too, about the Pokemon how this works in this game and making things better i want to go back to the limited roster as well because another thing i realized with the uh limiting the roster and being able to balance around that we have examples in the pokemon history of them like situations where they probably should have done that and they didn't and it made the game worse and it's i'm probably gonna get a lot of flack for this one even though i love the game generation two suffered horribly because they didn't balance around the game they oh, yeah. balanced around the assumption everyone was transferring pokemon over because do you guys remember playing through silver gold or crystal Yes. Vaguely. That game was horribly balanced for typing. Well, first of all, they... So they introduced a new type in Silver, Gold, and Crystal. And they also... Two. Dark and Steel. Right. I keep forgetting that Steel was introduced then. I thought it was Gen 3 for whatever reason. But they also changed the way that the special stat worked. 
So, like, in order to do this, they added a whole bunch of new Pokemon to kind of fill in that niche, but also didn't, like, buff up the numbers for the original ones and made it harder for you to catch those original ones. So you end up in a situation where, like, you have a whole bunch of Pokemon and you need to be able to fight these ones, and the only way you have the things to fight them is by transferring Pokemon from the original game. Because I remember it was such a slog going through the game up until, I'd say probably until you fought, uh, I can't remember his name, but the Ghost Gym in that game. Until you got past Mm -hmm. that, a lot of... There was a lot of challenges, because I can't think... I think the only electric type you can really catch up to, for example, the fight at the Flying Gym is Mareep. Yes. But Mareep is exclusive to a version, so I think it's gold Mareep's in. Yeah, yeah. Mareep's in gold, so if you were playing silver, you just couldn't get an electric type before the Flying Gym. You're uh, also sure shit can't get an ice type before the Flying Gym. Yep. And on top of that, I think you only encountered one fire type up until... After the Ghost Gym, and that's Growlithe, or what was the other one? Vulpix? Vulpix, yeah. Growlithe or Vulpix. So there's just, like, no diversity in Pokemon types for the earliest half of that game. You had to get four gyms in before you actually started getting diversity in that yeah. one. Yeah. And that's yeah. an example of them just, like, sometimes the game does need to be set back and just bounce the game around that uh, core set that you want to use for that region. Which is one thing I really fucking loved about the Wild Area, is the Wild Area, you had access to pretty much every type of Pokemon, and you have access to the Wild Area before the first gym like while you're going towards the first gym you come across the wild area and you have the ability to jump back there if you ever like need a specific type of pokemon you can probably find it somewhere in the wild area some of them are harder to find if you're looking for specific pokemon they become very hard to find them but you can find almost every pokemon you're looking for in the wild and i liked the whole level limit on what you can catch at each gym you come across so that was a nice thing a nice touch usually the gym badge increases the level of pokemon you can train you can train beyond that, but they don't always follow your commands if they're above the level you can train. Uh, this one added not only that, but also limited the level. So you can only catch Pokemon who are below the level according to your badge, which I thought was a cool touch. Yeah, because it means you can't just run out into the middle of the wild area and, like, cheese, fear strat, some strong Pokemon, and easy mode your way through the rest of the game. Yeah. So I have one thing I want to ask you guys, because... As we all know, even though the right way to play Pokemon is to have a diverse team of different types of Pokemon and use them to rock, paper, scissors your way through the battle, it's very hard not to live the life of a gym leader and choose your favorite type of Pokemon and just get all of that typing. Keith, I think I already know what you are going to answer, but do you guys have a favorite type of Pokemon? And if so, what is it? Of course. Keith, I know for a fact what your favorite type of Pokemon is. It's the normal types. It's the one you would never evolve Eevee because it takes them away from the normal type. (laughs) Uh, uh, Normal types I've always been a fan of. Uh, First generation, it doesn't help the fact that Snorlax was my favorite Pokemon. And then... As much as people hate it, I enjoy Furt from Generation 2. And then just normal Pokemon just became so great and diverse with all the variations. The fact that they can learn almost most typings. So if you do a normal full team, you can actually cover the element diversity, even though you might not get that piercing damage. And on top of that, they're only really weak to fighting types, and ghosts have an agreement with them where they don't hurt each other. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, do you have a favorite type? I do. My favorite type is Dragon. All because my very my favorite Pokemon was back in Generation 1, Dratini. That's... So I have, uh, I'm torn between two types because I have two favorite types. Uh, My favorite, my initial favorite was from Gen 1. It was dragon type because there's only like the one dragon type Pokemon. uh, And then a whole bunch of other Pokemon who just kind of look like dragons but aren't dragons. And it makes dragon so much more mysterious. My one that I'm more of a fan of on my day-to-day basis is absolutely dark type. 
just because I love those fucking Pokemon. Similar to like you and how first love of Pokemon was this uh, normal type Pokemon. The first Pokemon I ever fucking loved was uh, Sneasel uh, in yeah, the Gen Dark 2. Ice. Dark Ice Gen 2 Sneasel. Fucking so fucking cool. And ever since then, like every time a new generation comes out, I'm always drawn to the new dark type Pokemon that they introduce. Even though I like, like them all. Like fucking... Uh, you like that dark fairy one from this new one, don't you? I do like the dark fairy one. <laughs> The fucking impish one. Yeah. I'm also a fan of, in recent generations, I think it was X and Y introduced, like, the pseudo-legendary, like, Sneal or whatever it was. And, like, it was a dark trickster Pokemon. There's also Dino was a dark dragon who is the coolest fucking thing in the world because he's blind and just bumps his way through the world. But regardless, dark is absolutely my you, favorite You want to talk about a cool-looking dragon, Drampa, the dragon normal type. Drampa is pretty fun. It looks like he's just walking around on a cloud constantly. Although, also, can we talk about how there's some dumb-looking fucking Pokemon in this one? In that, like, there's a certain point in the game when you uh, start finding fossils, and unlike in earlier games where, like, each individual fossil lines up to a specific Pokemon that evolves, you go to this lady who reconstructs Pokemon based on fossils, and you give her two different Pokemon uh, fossils, and she's like, yeah, I'll construct this into one Pokemon. Every single Pokemon I've gotten out of her looks so fucking dumb. Yeah. Like the one that's an electric type Pokemon whose lower half is frozen solid in ice and has a sneezing nose. I'm like, what the fuck are you? What have you done? <laughs> There's a reason for that. Because uh, you find out that... She actually doesn't have a science degree. <laughs> of course. That, but I can't remember her name, but uh, her name essentially is incompetent when you put her first and last name together. Yeah, it's the same as the uh, European scientists who originally started putting together dinosaur skeletons. And oh, they were and all like, completely wrong. They just grabbed her It's the same thing. It's like, hey, yeah. these two fossils were found together. Maybe they're the same Pokemon. Put them together. They're two completely different Pokemon. And, like, the ice electric type, his upper half cannot regulate the temperature, so he's freezing all the time. That explains why they look so fucking dumb. I can't get over how mad it makes me when I look at those Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Man, this is the first game that I do not want any of the fossil Pokemon. Because yeah. I don't want to put them into suffering. <laughs> I do have a question for you guys, too, because this game definitely focused a lot more on the visual, like, appealing aspect of the world. Are there any places in this game that, like, you just loved completely? I, partially because of my whole dragon type favoritism and all the medieval stuff I like. I liked Hammerlock, Hammerlock just because it was a big old castle town. Hammerlock was pretty fucking cool. I was a big fan of, I think it's Route 4? Regardless, uh, just before the Grass Gym, when you're fighting through this cave, and like it's not a slog because no part of this game actually felt like a slog, but you get out of the cave and you're just welcomed by these like rolling green hills with crops of wheat growing on them and you go down and you find what's essentially the equivalent of like Stonehenge which also has this weird mural on the ground because that's a thing that exists I find that part of the world to just be beautiful uh, mine was actually uh, the Mushroom Woods the Mushroom Woods were oh, just the mushroom so woods fun were the cool. Mushroom Woods were awesome super especially because cool. like, the first time you walk in and like it's like the nice mystery music and you see the mushroom I walk over to it's like I wonder and I push it and does the let glow glow thing and then all of a sudden there's like three imps around like what the fuck's going on yeah my first encounter with that forest was when i first got to that city before i even went up to interact with the gym i walked over into those woods i'm like hmm what's over this way i see that little glowing mushroom there's three little imp dudes just glowing there i'm like 
oh, that looks neat. I go over, tap the mushroom, they run off into the woods, and then this one other slightly off-looking imp comes walking out from behind it. Battle starts, and this terrifying-looking <laughs> monstrosity is fighting me. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not dealing with this right yeah, now. Just, just the way, like, the music and the way... Visually, like, that's just, like, the most visually, like, stimulating area I found. And just how the mushrooms interact with everything. It's just really cool, I found. Yeah. I definitely get that. I definitely think a lot of parts of this game were fucking beautiful, though. Oh, yeah. And, uh, sure, I understand why they decided you can only spin the camera around in the wild area. But yeah. I'd really like it if they'd start to implement that more often for the rest of the world. Yeah. Having more camera control so you can see stuff from the exact angle you want to. I mean, it... I feel it depends because there are definitely some scenes in this game where the whole cinematic amazingness of it is because the camera locks you when you're going through. For example, mm -hmm. that rolling field situation. Yes. That only happens because that was pre-set up with the lock yeah. camera. If you, were, yes. if you were able to spin your camera around and face the way you were coming from, you'd just see the side of a mountain. Yeah, it wouldn't look as cool. I, I mean, I guess we kind of answered it, but uh, favorite gym leader in this game? I, I think everyone's going to say Pierce. Yeah, it's Pierce. Pierce is definitely my favorite for story reasons. Uh, Alistair is a close second in mine. He might not do much and he's, uh, you know, not very involved with the story of the game because he's one of the optional mm. gyms that, depending on the version you get. But Alistair is just so fun. <laughs> Nessa is my favorite, my second favorite. Just second gym leader. And she just looks so calm and composed all the time. She's so confident in herself when you go into the battle and she's like, I'm going to win. I'm sorry, but your challenge ends here. And then you beat her, and she is really upset, like, really annoyed. Pierce is just far and away my favorite. Do you guys have a least favorite gym, uh, gym leader? Yeah, the the sword-exclusive uh, stone gym leader. Oh, Gordy? Yeah, Gordy. Uh, the guy who apparently is so full of himself that if he ever loses a challenge, he locks himself away in a locker room for a couple days to compose himself. Yeah, and because... Like, sure, he was one of the exclusives, so he couldn't have anything really outside of just the gym challenge. But despite that, he seemed a lot more just cut-and-paste generic gym leader than anything. Fair. Yeah, it's kind of the same deal with the the opposite. Also, Gordy's mother, uh, Melanie, the ice gym, it was kind of the same deal. He just kind of showed up in the town, fought her, and then that was about it. I could not fucking stand Raihan. The fact that, like, he would take breaks in the middle of the battle to take fucking selfies. I was like, come on, man. Just, like, treat this with a little bit of fucking dignity. Yeah, I, ch I chose Every to... time you beat him and he's just like, oh, that sucked, but let's get a pick for the fans. Yeah, I... Like, how about you go fuck yourself, Raihan? <laughs> I chose to block that from my memory, thank you very much, because he was the dragon gym leader. I actually didn't know. mind Raihan. I like Raihan aside from the selfies. He was, but... he was definitely fun. Yes. And just the stance he took whenever you were fighting him, just in the background, all hunched over and, like, hands gripped up like claws. He's like, yeah, I'm really into this. Let the storms howl. Also, uh, one thing I want to point out, not really a gym leader, but I want to bring up the fact, like, Leon, the final fight with Leon. It's just, I feel like it's probably one of the first Pokemon games where the final fight just felt that hype. Yes. yes. I felt so cool going into that final fight. Because the entire game was hyping up to that Exactly. Moment. The game was built around, like, you are going to fight this challenger at the end. You're going to fight the unbeatable champion. Yeah. I'm really curious how it would work. So I'm assuming none of us lost that final battle. No, but, like, no. a lot of the way Pokemon works is even if you lose, you just white out, you go back to a Pokemon Center, and you try again. I'm really curious how the game would have explained it, because... Even with the gym leaders, you have that option. You lose against a gym leader during the gym challenge. 
all of the gym leaders encourage you to come back and try and try again. It's something to prove your strength of spirit and stuff like that. I'm really curious to see what the in-game uh, explanation would be if you lost to Leon of how they would explain away letting you have another chance. Or if they would just be like, nope, you lose the game, you have to go back to your last save and you have to try again. I feel if that's what would happen, it would be very similar to how it handles the challenge after you beat the game, where you get to go in and try it over and over again. Yeah, I feel like, if anything, it would be more probably like a soft reset, where it just puts you back into the locker room type thing. Hmm. Pretends nothing happened. Yeah, the hard reset of you lose feels unfair, almost, in given the way Pokemon's built. But the kind of just saying... Uh, fuck it. You lost, but you get to keep trying as much as you want. Almost feels to, like, cheapen the challenge just because of the fact that, like, you go through this whole tournament just to have the right to challenge Leon. Yeah, you gotta beat all the other challengers, then you gotta boss rush some of the gym leaders. And, like, the fact that you do that, but then are just, like, even if you lose, you get are given the chance again. Feels like it would cheapen that a little bit. So I kind of don't want it to be that. Oh, but definitely fair. Like thinking about it it's kind of like how would they play that but i also didn't lose yeah and i also <laughs> didn't want to lose to figure it out yeah because yeah. i remember playing old pokemon games where you did the elite four runs essentially which is the equivalent to this it was more of just you being calculating through it's like okay so i got this i got this and you just go as far as you could to see what they had and then you try again altering your team to match up with that and then you get a little bit further next time you just kind of kept going through and now for the, like the last two or three games it definitely wasn't that because it was just easy yeah so this does remind me of one last thing i want to mention which is there's this youtube series i've been watching where uh buddy goes through and plays through all of the old pokemon games but he limits himself to only using uh the different gym leaders favorite pokemon so when you fight against brock he pulls out a fucking uh onyx as like his key linchpin and he only uses the moves that the onyx knows in the gym and, like, during the intro, he always says, Can I beat Pokemon Red using only the gym leader's fo- uh, favorite trainers? Of fucking course I can. This is a game for children, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely, I think, to this date, Pokemon 1 is probably, like, the hardest one still. Yeah. Generation, like, I think generations go in reverse order. Like, the games get easier as they go on. Yeah, they're trying to make themselves more accessible and make more people buy them. And to do that, they keep making themselves easier. Uh, and I have no problems with that. I don't want the kind of game that I have to sink hundreds of hours into. I already have games like that in my life. The kind of game that I can casually pick up and run through feels so good to me. Yeah, it's like I feel satisfied with uh, almost 24 hours it took me to get through the main story and yeah. beat the champion. In like this. the fact that you can avoid wild Pokemon, and oftentimes I was just like, I don't feel like spending an hour leveling up my Pokemon in this region. I'm just going to run through and still was able to beat the shit on the other side without yeah. spending that time grinding. Feels great. Although I do recommend for going into the post game, make sure your Pokemon are at least level seventy. Yeah. I mean, mine were level sixty when I beat. Oh, the post game. Yeah, the post game. Yeah, mine were I think sixty five by the end of the battle of the cha- yeah, that uh, champion. Yeah, that's where my Pokemon were. Mostly because I got one up to sixty five unintentionally, and then felt the need to get everyone up to sixty five. It was a mistake for me to go through the post game with my Pokemon still at that level. Now, there's another thing I want to point out where seeing the Pokemon in the wild is definitely one of, like, the better changes, like, the game's made in the wild. Yes. But something I do want to point out as well is not all the Pokemon pop up on the map. Sometimes you have to see the exclamation points pop up to actually find the Pokemon. I know Applin is like that. You can't find an Applin unless you spook something in the bush in the exclamation point. Same with, uh, uh, Milkery or Creamery. Milsery. Milsery. That only shows up if you spook a specific grass area and it pops up. Uh, so... 
You have to be aware of that. Otherwise, you miss Pokemon completely. But even then, those, like, spook exclamation marks. In previous games, it was spook exclamation mark, you're in a battle. Even with those spook exclamation marks in this game, you still have the option of being like, yeah, I don't really feel like fighting a wild Pokemon right now. I'm just going to run away from this exclamation mark. But yes, you do still want to be aware of, if you want to find all the Pokemon, you're going to have to fight a couple exclamation marks. And thank fuck there's no Zubats in those games. Fucking hell. All right. Yeah, so... uh... I guess, final thoughts on the game? Any questions you'd like to ask? No, I think I cover everything. Uh, all I can say is that Sword and Shield, I think, might be probably the best Pokemon game made so far. I, it's definitely my favorite so far. Yep, uh, there's, I think uh, the original three uh, hold a special place in my heart because oh, my brother had them and I played them before I fully understood what I was well, doing. Again, I still th- I, my favorite game is still Johto, even though it's a horrible mess. You couldn't catch fucking Slugma until you got to Kanto. My... I also think that uh, Ruby and Sapphire also hold a special place in my heart because they were the first one that I like memorized like the back of my hand. But yes, this one's definitely probably the best. Yeah, and sure, while I do appreciate the fact that they're changing the formula with no actual antagonistic faction, I do miss the good old, here's Team Rocket, here to mess up the day. I think they're just acknowledging the fact that the world we live in right now doesn't have clearly defined enemies at every turn. True. Just that giant space chicken. <laughs> I guess I'm just a little disappointed that they didn't introduce like a steel type Eevee in this generation. Because there's two Eevees we're holding option. out for. We're holding out for fighting Eevee and we're holding out for steel. I'm Eevee. holding out for a dragon one, but this would have been the dragon perfect time Eevee, for steel. Dragon Eevee will never come. Don't crush my hopes. You just get Drampites and dragon normal. Well, if that's everything we're talking about, the thank you for listening to us rambling for this past amount of time. <laughs> Um, our podcast can be found on all major podcast streaming services, and two weeks from now, you can turn in to, oops, the bat. Two weeks from now, maybe bi-weekly, who knows. Fortnightly, we've Fortnightly. decided. Okay, fortnightly. You can I'm tune not kidding, in. as soon as we're done, I'm going to switch all the things that say bi-weekly, or twice monthly, I think I put, into fortnightly. Yeah, so tune in then. For our next episode on whatever topic that might be, and if you have any comments, suggestions, anything just you want to talk about or share, email us. I hate saying it, but we it bears repeating. Make sure you like if this video or this podcast if you like the podcast. Make sure you're commenting and subscribing to the podcast so you don't miss future ones. I feel like such a shill when I say it, but do it anyways. Smash that subscribe button. Uh, make sure to email us at what is my podcast about at gmail.com now uh we have to figure out what we're doing for the next episode do you have like an idea what it could be well given the time of year that we're kind of building into i think it'd make sense if we did some kind of festive holiday themed episode to hear for my whole life the phrase i an adult will solve this problem yes